0: So, George, this week, uh, we fin- well, last week, really, we finished the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not Kenobi, What's as we we've been, been called- referring yeah, it. I prefer it like that.
1: Obi-Wan Kenobi, but we have a sort of theory that it actually was once called Kenobi. Also, it only made me realise that it's Kenobi, as and Obi is also the beginning of his name. Obi, Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi, one Kenobi, one Kenobi. You can just keep <laughs> going. You can just keep going. <laughs> It just goes round and round. Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> Kenobi.
0: Uh, So if you didn't know or you weren't following Star Wars, I assume you were if you're listening to this. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the six-part mini event that Disney Plus had put out, and it follows Obi-Wan Kenobi, picks up, I want to say, what, like eight, nine years ten. after? Ten years after the events of episode three, and it sits between episodes three and four. Um, and basically you find Obi-Wan Kenobi living on Tatooine. And watching over a very young Luke Skywalker, who's a who's a kid, and you've got Joel Edgerton playing uh, Uncle Ben, Uncle Owen, Uncle Owen, Uncle Owen, <laughs> <he's> Kenobi's ben, <laughs> ben, Kenobi's yeah. Ben, uh, he's Uncle Ben Kenobi, and. Um, it's also, you know, seeing Darth Vader in its prime, and you've got this group of, uh, this sort of like this death squad that work for Darth Vader called the Inquisitors or the Inquisitorious, and essentially their whole dynamic, and they are essentially on the hunt for Force-sensitive Jedis. One of them's name is uh, Raver, who is in pursuit of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine, and also just generally in pursuit of anyone who could be Force-sensitive. Obviously, Luke is Force-sensitive. Yeah. You also got, completely on the other side, at the end of Episode 3, Luke and Leia were split up. Leia is on Alderaan with or. Bail- Ghana, which we get to see for the first time, Alderaan, like in, in its Oh, natural city, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, planet, yeah. planet, planet, planet yeah, even. Yeah. And- um, Blown e- to shit soon enough. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I <literally>, All gone. <laughs> I saw that like opening shot. of the city, I was like, very pretty, gonna be Ash yeah. in a few years. <laughs> um, so yeah, you also got this whole side of Leia, and in the first episode she gets uh, kidnapped, and our story sort of picks up from there. I don't, thi- I don't think I'm don't think gonna run through the whole plot right now.
1: No, but she's kidnapped by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers.
0: Oh, does she. Yeah, do you know the guy the guy can, yeah, can we talk about before we go into it that chase scene in the first episode where in Leia's running woods. away in the woods. I just, it was the Lame. one thing I thought felt really old school, cheap budget TV. Yeah. It was three Doo- times. Yeah, I know. It was three times longer than it needed to be. And the editing of like when a tree hit someone. Oh no, a around. tree's in the way. Oh, and like turns direction over here. Oh, yeah. it just, it was really quite something. But yeah, so we, we had seen the first few episodes as they came out. They released it weekly. And we thought, let's just, save our opinions for when this is over. For a spoiler discussion. So I think how we'll do this like we do other spoiler discussions, we're going to do the first half of this spoiler-free, give some broad impressions of the series as a whole, and then I think we'll give you a good spoiler warning, and then we'll go into some of like specific plot details towards the end. Um, George, the six-part
1: mini-event of Everyone Kenobi, on the whole, how did you get on with it? I think it's fine. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. What it has going for it is... Great performance from you, McGregor. Always. can yeah. Do no wrong. Always great. Good and everything. Um, when the time comes, the boy must be trained. Hey, yeah, Leia, get out of here. It's all the wrong. Like you
0: trained his father. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah.
1: Um, and you have a nice stitch between the prequels and the original trilogy. Yeah. I like that. I like this idea of Jedi's on the run, the Inquisitor's going out to get them, Life Under the Empire is rubbish, all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, what it has on the other side is awfully generic dialogue. Really, mm-hmm. p- particularly for Darth Vader. Really, I will destroy you and I will hunt you. Really broad, broad generic dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, not amazing CGI, I have to say. I was yeah. really surprised at how obvious some of the CGI seemed. And just, there was something very tame about it. I think perhaps they were trying to just pitch it to as big an audience as possible and I felt it was pulling its punches. I think Completely. it was pulling its punches. It, there's no kind of like grit or something to really ground it. It's very tame and soft. And you mentioned that chase with Leia in the, like, the first episode. Yeah. It's just like, huh, it's a bit limp. It's, it's almost like it's a, 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 a run through, a dress rehearsal, for the real thing i'm not i don't actually have a problem with the story the story all makes sense i love that i love um kenobi all sort of uh, torn up about and, and, and like traumatized by what happened with anakin he feels like he let him down and then he discovers that darth vader you know is anakin and, and, anakin yeah, that's, a cool and moment. that's a cool moment but there is some very very underwhelming bits like when actually um this is a mild spoiler but i think it's in the trailer when obi-wan kenobi Meets Darth Vader for the first time. Yeah, I think it's done in such an underwhelming way, and it's completely in the dark as well. The dark I mean, you hate and, and the end fight. Shows. Yeah, um, I, I was just surprised for for someone Deborah Cho, who directed this, was a Mandalorian director. Yeah, for a show like the Mandalorian, which has guts, which has grit, which has punch, which has charm didn't really have any of those things happening in, in, in this show, but but it wasn't bad, I I was fine yeah. with it, but you know what I mean, it's just a bit if it was any longer than six episodes it really would have tested me. So this is
0: the thing I found quite uh, interesting, is I think when I got to episode four, episode five and I started to see how this thing was shaping up yeah. as a whole before the end, I was quite surprised by how much filler content there was in something that they've gone, the six part event yeah. only six episodes, one and done, yeah. I thought, okay like you've got a very clear story to tell, and I I get to the end which you know like all in all i enjoyed good i'd, yeah. over, I'd say it has like my thumbs up for star wars content overall yeah. but i i just thought this would be it would have been better as three episode event yeah and i think the story would film. work or a film or even yeah. even a two-part special yeah could you imagine hey, sorry that's my doorbell
1: not just filler content but a lot of placeholder characters i felt like mm. with camille nanjiani well who's he yeah like, what's that going on i, I feel like Camille Nanjani actually delivered his lines. So like, I don't really know who my character is. I'm just kind of winging it. Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Kind of just in there. And I wanted more of Rupert Friend. Yeah. is the Inquisitor. Yeah. Um, I mean, this might be a bit of a spoiler, but can I just say well, save it for spoiler talk. I'm gonna save
0: it for spoiler talk. I think then. I think uh, should we actually should we go into spoilers? Because a lot of what I have to say, well, that's I think, what is I was yeah, to do, yeah. so, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Should we go into spoilers? Okay, so that's our rough opinions. Please go watch that's Kenobi if brief. you haven't read it. It's quite brief. I think a lot of because a lot of my problems with it are sort of plot related okay, and what it on, does it to and doesn't does do. Spoiler
1: uh, warning for Kenobi. Right, George, uh, what was your point? You I was gonna saying? say, when I was a kid, James, when I watched Star Wars as a yeah. nipper, if you got run through with a lightsaber. You were dead. No one dies anymore. My, my understanding was a lightsaber could bloody kill you. It did was lethal. F- and and two characters in this mm. get run through with a lightsaber, like Qui Gon Jinn did. Yeah, and they're fine. No, so you have they, to like they are able no. to go like uh, across to so the person. Like, if you pull pull
0: just pull go in, it like does the well, lightsaber quarterizes the wound.
1: <laughs> even if it's quarterized, you've gone through, through so s- much the stuff. The spleen, the, the liver. Blood. The yeah, the, I mean So so they she you know the third sister. Stabs the Inquisitor. Okay. And yeah. then also later she's stabbed by Darth Vader. And both fine. Why do they need to bring the Inquisitor did, back? Did the did the did the first Inquisitor have a Vader breathing
0: suit apparatus afterwards? I can't remember if he did or didn't. I, I can't remember either, actually. He, but also,
1: why did he need to come back? He didn't do anything when he came back. Here's
0: my thing. I, I really liked the character of Raver. I thought I thought she had interesting, an yeah. interesting arc, which I think the series was kind of missing. It was pondering. I think I liked the way, you know, Anakin event, she she remembered that. Darth Anakin was Darth Vader because of that—that that sort of memory connection yeah. to the Force and the memory of how he stabbed her. I still think maybe the stormtroopers would have called, been calling him Lord Vader by that point, and she should have heard mm. when in Order sixty six. But whatever. I think with the Inquisitors in general, I was no, really excited. He's not called Lord Vader until he's
1: in the suit. Are you sure? Lord Vader, rise! Remember you that sh- bit? He's like, no, he you, you now be known Lord as Darth Vader. Vader,
0: and he just comes up with it. No, he, he no he when All right, when right. he kills Mace Windu. Oh, right. that's out when Palpatine christens him. Window out the window, <laughs> window out the window. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so you shall be called Lord. Vader. Like you just- What? Can't you pull them. Out Why
1: did not like this? Uh,
0: <laughs> it is. It's you, it? It's like you think the old oh, Vader would be such a cool origin for them, ah, came up with it. Yeah, sure. There you go. Okay. Anyway, um, I thought that maybe she, she would have remembered that, but I thought the Inquisitors, I was so glad we got like a, a live action version of the Inquisitors, because mm-hmm. they're usually a really cool story. I do kind of feel like their infighting wasn't the coolest way to show them off. And I feel like Darth mm-hmm. Vader needing to, like challenge them and what they were willing to do for him was also a little bit untrue to who the Inquisitors mm. are. I thought established before this series, Raver would have already done despicable things like kill children yeah. before this show, but she was sort of unwilling to do that at this point. Yeah. I thought like that wouldn't have been in question for a long time if you were part of this death yeah, squad. This sort of deep,
1: deep cover, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I think, I think look, what, what, what I think the main, the main problem I have with this, and I think I could see it coming, is that Obi-Wan ends the series in pretty much the same place he starts it wandering off into the desert to be a guardian, but this time he's got quite gone.
1: And he knows the Force now. Yeah. And he, yeah, he uh, and yeah. No, 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 no. It's slightly different. Hang on. But sorry. <sighs> Go on. No, that's fine. Go because on. this time, he, before he felt really guilty about Anakin's fall from grace and he felt yes. responsible for it. But by this time he realises that Anakin was almost killed. Like he says, you know, Darth Vader killed your father. When I mean, you know, he says to Luke that, it, 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 your yeah, father. so he he's come to realize as Anakin says to him, oh Lord Vader says to him, yeah. I killed Anakin Skywalker. You know, not you. I, you know, I, I corrupted. It. It's like a completely split personality. Yes. So he, I think he is absolved of that guilt now.
0: Um, yes, but I think like. I agree with you in that sense. But in the final shot, I was like, okay, so he's moved out of his cave in Tatooine to a quarry in Tatooine. And he's just kind of there with Qui-Gon. Liam Neeson back in there? For a bit. For a bit. One day, I One loved day of him. filming that would have been. One day, an afternoon. Yeah. I would have loved him in the beginning, first episode. Qui-Gon, yeah. what do I do? I've been here for he's 10 already... years trying to speak to you. But... Yeah. No. And then I I think I thought the first fight between Vader and Obi-Wan, while while dark, you know my feelings on things with dark. Man. I actually thought it was cool. I, I think what I did like was seeing Vader in his prime. A terrifying Vader when he goes through that village and is just, just destroying. And I agree with you when you said that the dialogue wasn't great all the time. I will say what I think they did do in this show is they did understand the central conflict of who Darth Vader is and it does that thing which is what all good Darth Vader content should do is that you should look at that mask in one scene and be absolutely terrified at the monster of who he is and then you can look in that same mask in another scene and just feel an enormous amount of sadness and Mm -hmm. pathos and it's the same face but the context of that character Mm -hmm. is is different when I think about the you know, the last scene, which we were just kind of talking about, where they finally fight again, for some reason Obi-Wan's way better at fighting now for yeah. reasons. And he throws rocks, yeah. And he throw, he, he's badass. He throws like whole rocks at Darth Vader, which I, I don't really get how he managed to get that much better. I think Darth Vader just says, your
1: powers have returned. No, no, I think isn't it because he like loves Leia now? He's 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 got something to live for, to fight right, for. That's how it the works, good in okay. the good in Anakin passed on to Leia and Luke and now Obi-Wan has a responsibility to try and defend that and champion that so that's where he gets his sort of fire from I think I think okay
0: and and I think my my favourite moments in in, in that series were I think in that fight when there's this great moment when Ben slashes his mask off and you see uh, the face of Anakin Hayden Christensen, completely sort of tortured and, and grey and ashen. Mm-hmm. And you could see the, the, the just the sadness in his eyes. And you don't actually need to use the mask, yeah. you, you can see it. And it's this amazing scene where his voice box is breaking yeah. and it's splitting between mm-hmm. the Darth Vader and like the sad yeah. Anakin voice. And it's this wonderful thing of like these two things fighting against yeah. each other, and you can't tell which one is what which. And there's that quote where he says, Um, you know, I'm not your failure, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did. Yes. That's, and, yeah. and even though he's like, you can tell he's like Struggling through those words, mm. and I think that scene is 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 really well done, and I did watch it with a smile on my face. like, ah, oh, this is yeah. this is the central cause of Darth Vader. The problem with that fight, cool as it is, dark as it was, is that I remember when I'm watching Return of the Jedi, right, the final throne scene. That that scene with the three of them—Palpatine, Luke, and Vader—is so good and it's so tense because every scene single...
1: Obi Wan and Vader mean. No, no, I'm
0: talking about the Return of the Jedi. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. sorry. So that that last throne scene in Return of the Jedi with Luke, Palpatine, and Vader is so good because all of those characters are in their own, they're all in conflict for different reasons. Like, Vader is in conflict because he's got Palpatine on one hand telling him to do one thing and he's got his son in the other. Um, Palpatine is, like, trying to convince Luke to go to the dark side and he's also, for the first time, seeing that the dark side is failing him. He's not able to seduce someone to the dark side. And then Luke is obviously torn between, like, his father who he loves, dark and light. And you don't know how it's gonna... Mm finish mm. and that's why it's so tense you're like this could go either way yeah. and all of these characters are torn and that's why it's fascinating i felt like in the last fight cool as it was fun as it was that scene with the voice box and vader and seeing the split personality which i kind of already know i did kind of know where we were gonna end up yeah i didn't right. i didn't have a sense of worry of like what's gonna happen he's mm-hmm. not gonna kill he's not gonna kill vader no. vader's not gonna kill obi-wan because he everyone lost the first fight it just kind of ends on this nicely written but somber note Bit of a cul-de-sac.
1: The whole yeah. series is like a, just sort of a tripping little tale.
0: And every time an episode, like we talked about it being filler, I was a bit like, yeah, yeah we'll just save it for the last episode, won't they? Yeah. And every single episode, I was like, oh, they didn't, we didn't get that again. So yeah. I guess in the last episode. And then the last episode is just there.
1: Yeah. So um, not bad. Uh, like I said, fine. I, I think it was fine. Mm. I think it could have been stronger. It wasn't a disaster. No. It was what it was. You McGregor can still do no wrong. Oh, great, yeah. Did the hello there annoy you? No, I no, I liked that. And I liked when he did have the fight with Darth Vader. He had tears in his eyes. And he was yeah. like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, you know, the accent after a while, but he's just trying to do what it he kind can. Kind of, he swayed slightly into you're, something. You're going, do you sound like George Harrison. <laughs> you sound like George Harrison. I don't want to go up on the roof. <coughs> I don't want to go up on the roof. Whatever. Yeah, the time uh, cut. Yeah, I'm going to George yeah, Harrison. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was okay, but I
0: still think the Mandalorian is better. I agree. Did you like Kenobi? Did you like it more than us? Did you dislike it more than us? Let us know. You can write into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. I'd actually be interested to hear what more people thought of this because I feel like it might be slightly mixed but either way I'm happy. George, I was away um, but the big hot film of this week is Elvis, Baz Luhrmann's yes. Elvis. You have
1: gone to see it, what I do you have. think? Okay, so I saw Elvis last night. <laughs> uh, is that you trying <laughs> to do Elvis? Like, Elvis. Like it's like a hul- walrus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're going to be a little bit wrong So, side
0: note, before we start, have you seen Austin Butler talk on a talk show in real life? So cool. He, he's just like, he, I, yes. feel, I feel like he's still doing Elvis. No,
1: yeah, he's talked about that. He was Elvis for two years. He They had an, uh, Eighteen months worth of pre-production, eighteen Jesus. months worth of research, and then he obviously had the film, and now he's doing the the tour. Elvis is in his but He actually admits in an interview, saying, "I don't know who I am." I, I, Elvis has still got you know ticks because he's like, yeah, when we're doing the film, we we're, were talking about,
0: thing, uh, we're so yeah. happy that the motion picture yeah. is. I'm he's like, very cool though. He's very he's cool very, with, very very, with the open shirt and the satin blazer. Hello, Mr. Butler. <laughs> oh, my. Sorry, the uh, film as you. Anyway,
1: Elvis Baz Lerman's Elvis. It's out now. What is the gist and what is the mm. story? So basic story is, it is actually the whole of his life. I didn't know whether there were going to be a specific period of his life, but it is the story of Elvis. Told though, in particular framing with his relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, played in this by Tom Hanks. Mm. Colonel Tom Parker, this uh, Dutch um, immigrant to, to America, who's this villain of the piece really, and is this kind of very hammy, you know, he was literally a cigar chomping, <laughs> bloated grotesque figure and even though when you see the stills of tom hanks looking like that under all the prosthetics you think that looks that looks bad over the top But when you actually see a picture of Colonel Tom parker you're like oh uh no he was uh, big, really big, big like that so the film is about elvis and how tom parker discovered elvis and how that their relationship and the sort of toxic symbiotic relationship how uh tom parker sort of protected him, but also exploited him mm. and abused him and, you know, had a arguably a very strong hand in leading Elvis down a path that ultimately ended with him dying at 42 in 1977, right? So we, the, the film opens with Colonel Tom Parker having a heart attack, in 1997, being rushed to hospital in Las Vegas. And as the ambulance like goes down the street the, down the road, you've got the flashes of the casino, cuts the roulette wheels spinning, the, the gloss, and, the, doo, 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 doo. and he's there thinking, Yop. Ah, you think that I am the villain of the peace? No, it is actually fame. I will tell you a story about Elvis president I'm not joking. <laughs> it sounds like the opening of the Latin. I'm not joking that's how that's how the he does cave it right of wonders. And um and then it cuts back to. 1973 at first and then actually back to 1955 i think okay. when, when uh he first discovered him you then go through all the elvis years you have the years of him being you know rock and roll in the 50s a rebel causing a sensation with hip gyrations in segregated south and um playing along r- racial lines and then you have him in the late 50s in the army you have the 60s movie star elvis you have the sort of comeback elvis and then you have the the Las Vegas Elvis, which in itself contains several different Elvises. There is the landmark beginning of Vegas with Elvis, which is a, a, a triumphant moment for him. I mean, people think of Elvis in Vegas as what he became, which was bloated, yeah. sweaty, on his, you know, on his last legs. But actually when he started in Vegas, he was like a real powerhouse. And then it ends, you know, um, when when he dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So um, I had pretty low expectations mm, going in, I'd actually. I'd say same, even though i I'm I went in with it with a suspicious mind. and uh, <laughs> Thank you. No, because when you make a film about someone as iconic as Elvis and someone who's been dead for such a long time, I'm thinking, it's 2022. What are we going to do with this person now that's new? What are we going to do with this story that's interesting? It's a
0: very distinctive voice personality that's been parodied <sighs> exactly, and caricatured? Exactly,
1: parodied and caricatured. It's almost such a... Uh, staple of pop culture. What can you? What could you bring to it? It's like the fact you know they're making another Marilyn Monroe film with Anna De Armas, right? it's oh, called I'm right. thinking, okay, here we go again. Roll out the Marilyn story. Roll mm. out the Elvis story. What are we going to get this time? But what piqued my interest is in that, of course, it's a Baz Luhrmann film. Yeah, Baz Luhrmann doesn't make that many films, and when he does, they are pretty much a film to Baz Luhrmann they are almost he can be described as an, as an auteur so it's actually been nearly 10 years since he made a film the last one he made was Gatsby is that really the last film he did yeah he did do the get down on Netflix uh in the interim but that got cancelled you know a great oh. musical thing. and obviously Australia uh, Moulin Rouge wow. Romeo and Juliet yeah, yeah. Street Ballroom and now Elvis and going into it he- <laughs> Baz Luhrmann doesn't do Subtlety Bas right. Lerman doesn't do stillness. This, this this film does not stop moving. You can see that Bas used to be a ballroom dancer because mm. the whole motion of the film is in and out choreographed. There is no moment of quietness. I mean, you might think there are later on with some sort of like more dramatic moments, but really this thing dances and dances and dances. Yeah, and you're watching this. You're getting exactly the Bas Lerman treatment you expect. Verve. You know, Bas Lerman's films are basically operatic music videos, yes. and that's what this is: melodrama, operatic um music videos and there's a point for, like literally five minutes in where you think I can either reject this and spend the next two hours forty uh, two forty yeah I can either spend the next two hours forty um uh yeah not in not enjoying this or you you have to just en- get on with it and engage with it and I did get on with it and engage with it because Baz lerman lo- <laughs> Baz lerman loves music right? He absolutely loves music. No, no, but that's what comes across. He absolutely loves music, and he's very, very interested in Elvis. I wouldn't say he loves Elvis in a sort of blinded way, and he said in interviews that he just really likes the time period of the 50s and 60s and the the, the 70s. He adores music so much, and really, if you're going to make a film about an icon, a musical icon, why not have it full of full of excitement, full of energy? Um, Elvis Presley has flair. Written into the very DNA of the film, instead of it being sort of quite prosaic. So actually, I was fine with it, and Sure enough, like Baz Luhrmann films, the first hour I was really with it. There yeah. is a fantastic scene that is in the trailer of when Elvis first performs. Yes, and he gets the sort of hip gyrations going and, Get these, a arrow card, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and different line in the film, more homophobic in the film, which they uh, edited is it? for the trailers. Yeah, and um, more homophobic. Oh right, in the, more okay. homophobic, in, homophobic in can, film. Yeah, like. I can imagination. Um, and these women are having this impromptu, volu- involuntary reaction of screaming right here. They can't describe it, and and how accurate is that actual moment to history? Know. Yeah, you I know. don't know. But 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 as a scene, it's very, it's quite brilliant, and it plays completely to Baz's strengths because you've got this screaming this, yelling, and this like dramatic clambering for the stage, and there's this like very slow motion pan on or zoom in rather on this one woman who's looking really conflicted. And, and it's like, I could see in her eyes that he was forbidden fruit. I mean, I told, it's operatic. It's melodrama, yeah. right? I could see that he, she was feeling feelings. She knew she shouldn't feel. And this is, you know, 1950s, you know, middle America. Yeah. And this this awakening, awakening, awakening the whole other side of people, this sort of sexual revolution. And I, I really love that. And also in that scene as a sort of a nugget, a kind of a thesis argument for the whole film, which is um, this fame, this adoration could be fatal could be tragic yeah his mum rushes to the to the front of the stage and says what, why are they trying to attack elvis why are they trying to kill elvis like, People and, have never seen it and, before and right? he's like no 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 they love elvis they love him i know it sounds ridiculous an idea yeah. but that idea runs throughout the whole film which is that you have this sort of fame and you know the toxic side of fame that is that really what killed elvis and, and that's what colonel tom parker's as the narrator trying to present throughout the whole thing so i actually tried to protect him As a side note, Colonel Tom Parker is a really interesting character. There's one bit which sums him up where Elvis is now really big and famous, his first wave of fame. And he's big on merchandising. He says, I'm going to bring in the merchandising. And there's like, you know, I love Elvis cushions. I love Elvis pillows and all this stuff. And then his mother says, wait, what's this? And it's an I hate Elvis badge. She's like, why why have you got I hate Uh. Elvis? And he's like if they're going to hate us, why hate Why hate us for free? Genius. You know? Yeah. Smokes on the cigar. Isn't that right, Amazing. my boy? Yeah, it's
0: like attention at any it's, cost. A, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's a really great scene with the with the, the screaming. I, I didn't... It's two hours 40. Mm. I didn't feel it drag. Baz Luhrmann's films don't drag. Yeah. They're, they're too full of energy for that. But I did shift in my seat. And I think that uh, over a two-hour 40 period, in, in trying to tell the whole Elvis story, and really barreling through with such style... Um, I think that it, it doesn't stop to land its punches. I would have liked it if it could have just come down to earth a little more, it, it, not just in the fourth act, mm-hmm. but like if, it, if I could have connected a bit more with some of the drama happening on stage. I had this with The Great Gatsby, which is like, I loved the spectacle of it. I love the 20th bit, but some of the scenes with Daisy and and Gatsby, you know, Leo and Kerry Mulligan, just felt a little bit flat. It did, yeah. And it I actually felt like it had to just go ooh mm, yes. right at the end. You know, and at the end it kind of did
0: that. Yeah, like it only really just happened at the end. Sorry. So, so that's
1: kind of what, that kind of what happens with Elvis. But to its credit and to, to, to its defense, what completely saves it is Austin Butler as Elvis. I was going to ask, how is the performance? Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Right. A star is born in, El- really? in Austin Butler. Um, he. You know, he, I said just now that he spent months and months and months studying, and reading about him, and doing all that to get away from doing an impression of Elvis. Yeah. When, it, when he first comes on, himself, you're, you're you're not seeing someone who's hey, hey hi, very hey, much like we were doing five. Like we were doing five minutes, like we ago, doing five minutes ago. He's doing it. He has. I think um, one of the Presley family said like he embodies the spirit of Elvis, and Love he that. really does. And there are a couple of moments as well. I was like, it's uncanny. You almost kind of look like him. They don't really look like each other, but in the film, in the moment, in no, the context. Yeah. It just works. It shouldn't just shouldn't
0: have to look like the person, really. No, no,
1: no. Well, exactly. Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs, right? Yes, yeah. Um, Great but, film. but, but, yeah. Austin Butler absolutely terrific. It carries the film, and you know, it lives and dies by him, and it, mm-hmm. and it and it lives. Also, can I just say on the Colonel Tom Parker thing? Um, you like I said with the Tom Hanks being looking grotesque in out of context, it looks ridiculous. And when you see yeah. the trailer, you are like, Tom Cruise is do- uh, Tom Hanks is doing a what accent? That, but in the context of the film, it completely works. And also because. Um, Tom Parker is the first character you meet. You know there's that rule in storytelling which is like yeah. you can bring in whatever you like but if you do it in the first act it's you, you your, the audience will accept it. The later you bring in new information right. the more the audience will direct it. So yes. if you begin the film with a bloated man being like I got the you the story of Elvis it's like okay this is this is the film. Yes. it's not hiding there's nothing there's nothing to hide in this film at all actually. So uh, I'd say that um I think I think I think it's a good good who I think it's a good time. I, I I I you know there are a couple of moments where the music kicks in and Baz does his thing, and it really works. Anachronistic music used, of course, as Baz Luhrmann always does. I mean, you know, music runs through all of his films, but this is. Um, is really something i mean i was just thinking actually you know i said all oh, the first hour is a real punch I, I really remember that with moulin rouge like the first mm. half an hour of moulin rouge i remember being like wow you've got these mashups you've got this anachronistic tone you've got the yeah. welcome to paris you know yeah. the, the it's green it's completely mesmerizing and and woof, and that is kind of what you get um i saw a great um
0: video of a screen test for austin butler as elvis and it was just in him. his bathrobe. Is that right? No, no. I think he was just in a suit, but he's like just kneeling over a kneeling over guitar, brushing his hair. Yeah. I was like, whoa. And it was, I think he had like a year and a half from when he screen tested to when they started filming, as right. he said. And he just looked so good in the screen test. Fantastic. And you could just tell that was that was your Elvis right what, there.
1: What does come across really well is the sort of sadness about it. And I know yeah. I said that I've struggled to like really emotionally connect, but but the the, perv- the pervasive purveying sadness of the, of the whole thing is there. And you're like, we are watching someone who really was, in the, in the first half of you get this sense that he was the Jesus of pop music. You know, he was the first- Rock and roll. The first coming of everything we know about pop music today. Mm. The DNA of that can be traced back to Elvis, right? You yeah. Know, it all comes from him. And in the second half, you really get what I think Ringo Starr said, which was, he always felt very sorry for Elvis because he was on his own. The Beatles also received that amount of fame and attention, yeah. but there were four of them and they could survive that. And they could do it again. also you can break away from the Beatles and do your own thing. One Direction said that about Justin Bieber. <laughs> right. It, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, okay, well, there you go. It's like, yeah, Elvis is on his own. That's tough. Yeah. And it is sad what happens to Elvis. And, it, and and I think that the ending of the film is is really poignant. And you, yeah, he just had this star quality. So rush out to see or wait for a cozy night in if I can't find the time. I think it depends on how much you know about Elvis and how much you're connected to it. I think people Very who are older little. than us have a stronger connection to Elvis. So, you know, People who might have even been alive when he was still alive mm. will get much more out of it and because Elvis would have been in their lives for much longer. I think if you're young like you and I, you could probably wait. Um, I was thinking when I was watching, I was like, this is like Christmas Day film. That sounds like yeah. a pretty damn fit." but I'm like, no, oh, yeah. solid couple of hours, put it on. A good choice for Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, keeps people's attention. Um if I sound slightly vague, I did have a like a fucking annoying person next to me in the cinema. Oh, I'm so K- sorry. Go on. Yeah, I did all the holy sins. Came in late. Yeah. <sighs> really loud food. Yeah. Went out. Went left. Came oh, back. I, with more happens? food. All, oh, all I think about is
0: they missed this scene. Talking. They won't
1: know this scene. And um, getting his phone out. <coughs> his Awful. Phone out. Yeah. Um, how bad was the phone screen? Bright at first, and then yeah. I gave him like a stern sort of like. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. And I don't think he turned it down by yeah. the day. But it was anyway. So, Elvis, let us know what you think though, if you saw it. I I, I rate it more than something like Bohemian Rhapsody. I think it's slightly less cynical than that. Yeah. And, okay. But but it's got the kind of it's there's so much. So sorry, to summarise, yeah. Heartfelt, passionate. Colorful, unapologetic as all Baz Luhrmann films are. Mm. And you know what? That is something to be cherished. So, can't wait Blu ray to see that pop kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>, Bul- Bul- <laughs> kitchen. Yeah, pop kitchen quote. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and I think Austin Butler, yeah, he's the crowning jewel of the whole thing. Amazing.